And this is the Gimme a Buck Podcast, partnered with the Basketball Podcast Network, sponsored by DraftKings. I am your host, Joel Graham, my guy Zach Wright, and you know what we do. Another episode, another Bucks fan. His name is Jake from the Downtown Browntown Podcast. Let's get into it. Jake, how do we beat the Suns? I need to know. How do we beat the Suns, man? We'll start defensively here. Um, I really like the adjustments we made in game two. Um, The one thing I was looking for the most was just fighting through some of those screens. You know, like we were getting Lopez and Portis like onto Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I thought Lopez actually did fairly well in game one of keeping those guys in front of him. But that's their spot. It's the mid range. That's what they want to get They're They want that. And we're just giving it to them. So game two. Uh, we were fighting through those brush screens or little rub screens a lot more. We saw that right from the start and, uh, it definitely paid off, you know, and, and not only that too, um, having some sort of help, like on the strong side wing for like, Mm -hmm. if like Giannis or Chris is guarding, uh, bridges or Crowder, it's like, okay, have that guy help off of him a little bit. I mean, we, sometimes you got to live with some of these other guys beating you versus just seeing Chris Paul and Devin Booker just cook the whole game. Um, and, and, you know, bits and pieces of the game for each of them. So I like really like the adjustments we made in game two. That's what I like to see defensively going forward. And, and I think they will do that because I don't think defense has been the problem. Um, for me, it's been offense. Um, we need to get the big three going. Still haven't had a game this whole playoff run where all of the big three have played great. Sure, they played maybe good um, and two of them great, but not all three of them clicking and, and in one game. So that's obviously what we need. Um, for me, it's just better shot selection. Uh, I really don't like a lot of the shots we're taking, like other than Chris Middleton taking pull-up threes. I really don't want anyone else taking those. Like I'd love to get Lopez more involved in the paint too. just taking advantage of like, we know that if Lopez is going to have a good chance to score down there, or if it doesn't, or if he doesn't, then just dish it out and, and get it back to a shooter. Um, off ball movement on, on offense as well. Um, getting Giannis moving off ball screens, you know, just running some more plays, even for like Chris Middleton to get open shots. I really feel like we don't do that enough either. Obviously he's our best shooter, probably our most consistent shooter as well. Even though it's been a little rough to start here, but for me, yeah, it's just really just playing more efficient basketball on offense and, um, trying to find ways to get our big three going as much as possible. So that that's my strategy for beating the Suns. So you're not a fan of the switch everything right now. You, you want them to fight through those screens. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the switch everything, at least at all times. Um, I mean, that's what we went, you know, games five and six against Atlanta without Giannis. And, and it, it worked pretty well, but we're looking at a different opponent here in the Phoenix Suns who are just a, a really great team. Yeah. I'm fine with some switching, like uh, switching one through five at times. I just don't think it's a sustainable throughout a whole game. And, and game one really showed that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Zach, how, how would we be, how do we beat the Suns? I know you're a Suns fan as well. Um, but, but give, give us some insight of how do we beat the Suns? Yeah. So I really like, uh, the adjustments they did make in game two defensively. Um, I saw a lot more aggressive play out of Drew Holiday to start the game. Um, he was picking up Chris Paul three fourths court basically from the beginning of the game. Right. And you could see too, he was, they weren't 
switching it, but I think they were doing a better job of Drew was fighting over it, but they weren't just completely letting Chris Paul um, have an open look and have Drew on his back. They were also showing a guy in the front, too, to slow him up. And yeah. it really seemed to take his mid-range away in the beginning. And I think, well, yeah, it's going to be an exhausting style of defense to chase like that an entire game. But that's the reason the Clippers were able to make – obviously the Suns won the series, but that was the reason the Clippers were able to make a lot of those games, such low-scoring games, because Patrick Beverly was doing that to Booker and occasionally Chris Paul, and he just didn't allow them to get hot. And I think yeah. that's the problem with – um, what they're having right now is we keep seeing stretches where Chris Paul will go on a run because once he sees one shot fall, he just gets red hot and then we'll start making these tougher shots. So then you're just, you're at a loss of hope if you do get that switch on Lopez, even if he does stay in front of him. Right. Um, so I think that's got to be step one is don't let them get comfortable. Um, that way, even if they do make a shot, you're just still up in their grill and making it uncomfortable for them. And then you just let those other guys beat you the focus defensively has to be not allowing Chris Paul and Devin Booker to get into a rhythm, even if that's you're going to probably get some foul calls called on you. But I think they have to play a lot more aggressive because you could see it with how Beverly was playing Booker. He was getting him frustrated. He, Giannis is playing outstanding. Obviously, we know he's plus four when he's on the court in his uh, 35 minutes in game one and 40 in game two. Um, but they just had to play better offensively. I don't know what the scheme is, but we, I see uh, both games for the Suns, we've had a big three show up, um, one being Aiton in game one and the second one being Bridges in game two. We've had three scores over 20 points yeah. um, and one guy over 30 in each of those. And we've yet to see that with Milwaukee. Um, and if they're claiming to have this big three, um, you can't have Lopez beating out Drew Holiday uh, in game one and then have your second best and sometimes – being called your Batman to only show up in an NBA <laughs> Finals game and have 11 points. So, right. I don't know what the fix is, but offensively, they just got to play better all around. Yeah, yeah. So, both of you had two good, you know, points offensively as far as um, Giannis need help. That's pretty much what it is. Our, our Batman and uh, Drew Holiday hasn't, hasn't played well. So, Jake, I, I need to know, man, what's what's wrong with Drew and Chris? Like, why can't they help Giannis? Great question. Um, for, for Drew specifically, I think he's just really having a tough time finding his rhythm offensively with Giannis in the lineup. Uh, obviously, this whole playoffs, we really haven't unlock Drew's full potential offensively, um, at least when Giannis has been on the court. Um, the net series, he was not great offensively pretty much the whole series. And in the Heat series as well, he was he was all right. Um, and then obviously he was great in game one against Atlanta with 33 points, I believe. Um, I think he was even really good in game two, but then he kind of fell off on the road the next two games and, and carried was able to carry the Bucks to the finals there in the last two. But I just really think that He's just, he just looks lost out there on offense at times. He's forcing shots. He's just sometimes trying to like take DeAndre Ayton when he's driving to the, to the lane. It's like, I don't, it's not working. Like, it's just, I really think he's pressing too much and, and taking bad contested three pointers. It's like for him, it's just, I think he's just got to take better shots and, and just, you know, get going earlier on in the game would probably help too. I mean, he's having a harder time getting to the paint with Chris Paul on him because obviously he's a very strong guard. Um, but 
I think, you know, just being in front of that home court is, is going to help him. Um, and if he can knock down a couple shots early, I think that he's really going to be able to, to play well offensively. So for him, I really just think he's got to take better shots. Um, Chris Middleton, on the other hand, um, a lot of his shots just aren't falling. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we see with Chris a lot of times. Obviously, the 23-point quarter um, in that game against the Hawks and, and even in game three, he had, uh, what, the 20-point or fourth quarter, um, he can go off. And there's times where he looks like, you know, prime Michael Jordan, you know? Like, the dude just can't miss, and it's crazy. But, like, you know, there's times where he's just really bad. And, like, game one, he played pretty well. I mean, 29 points, 12 for 26 from the field. I feel like that was a little inflated because, like, I think he padded those stats a little more in the fourth quarter when the game was a little more out of reach at that point. He had a good third quarter, too. Um, yeah, yeah, first half he was awful. <laughs> um, but, I mean, last game, 11 points, 5 for 16 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. That can't happen from – from our Robin. Uh, it just can't happen. I mean, for me, he's, I just think his shots need to start falling. I mean, he's had some really good looks all series, I, I think. Um, but you know, he's, we all know the Chris Middleton experience is, is, is a wild one. So it's just, those, there's so many games where we, we just, everyone's like trade Chris, he stinks. And, and then he goes off for these 23 point quarters and it's like, this guy's amazing. So it's like, I just feel like that's who Chris is at this point, you know, like we've seen it year in and year out the inconsistencies. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really think that just being in front of the home court is going to be able to, to help the bucks just get going and specifically those two guys. So I think they can do it and I, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think, I think with Drew holiday, he doesn't want to step on toes, you know, like he's, he's a point guard, so he wants to get his people involved, but we need him to be aggressive. Um, a lot, he shot terrible terrible in game two uh like drew bled so terrible you know <laughs> um so i i think i i don't mind him being aggressive but like you were saying jake his shot selection is off man like i i want you to be aggressive but you can choose a better sl shot selection than that like you've been in the league a good number of years, you know, what's a good shot, you know, what's a bad shot. So I think, I think Drew, I think Drew is going to turn it around. I really do. Uh, I'm not so worried about Drew, even though in this postseason, like he hasn't been the best offensively, but defensively he's been ridiculous. Like one of the best I've seen at the guard position. Um, but like you were saying, Jake with Chris, Chris is who he is at this point. I mean, he's inconsistent. And one game you can be like, this dude should not ever be traded. And then another game you'd be like, what is this? Like, who is this guy? So it's a, it's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of deal, you know, with him. But you don't know what you're going to get. Chris is who he is. Um, Zach, what do you know what's wrong with Drew and Chris? What, what would you say? Yeah, I don't, I like how they started in game two though, because I saw something of like Chris Middleton can kind of get hot whenever he wants, even if he has a slow start. But Drew needs to have he needs to come out of the gate with a good start in order to kind of keep that consistently throughout the game. And yeah. it looked like in game two that they made that focus to try and get Drew involved early. 
Um, just unfortunately for the Bucks, Drew was not making those shots early in the game. No. And I think you just got to know a limit at that point of it seemed like he just kept shooting and like thinking one of these has got to go on eventually. And it never happened. And he just kept on shooting and kept on shooting. So I think he's got to know a limit if, if it's just not your night, get the other guys involved as you're the point guard of the team and kind of take on more of that point guard role. Um, and then Chris, there's nothing more than other than he's just got to start making those shots. Those are his typical shots that he's taken any other night. It's not like, I mean, Bridges, a good defender, Carter, who's ever so shot him, good defenders, but it's not like he's taken these bizarre shots that he's never not used to making on a nightly basis. So moral of the story for him is he's just got to start making some shots. Um, but one thing I did find interesting was to the typical media still hating on Giannis, even when he's having 42 point games. And Absolutely. they were saying that they were saying that 20 point quarter was, it actually hurt the rest of his team, even though it was like a record breaking quarter, um, which I don't agree with. And, but I do actually have a thought with that is, Obviously, you're always going to take a guy who's going to dominate and score 20 points in a quarter. But I wonder if there's some truth to it where there needs to be a different way to let him be as dominant as he is. Because I can totally see how basically all his baskets are. He has the ball either at the top of the key or wherever he has it. It's not from ball movement. It's just he has the ball and he goes and attacks. So it really does take out the rest of your offensive players. So you, I could see how they could lose some rhythm offensively. Yeah, but that's more like – I think that's more like feed the hot hand, you know. And Chris and Drew wasn't hitting the shots anyway. So yeah. if, you, if you find something that works, like keep going with that find the work. Chris and Drew, if they didn't find it in two – I mean, yeah, they could find it in the third quarter. But by that time, Giannis was already hot. So do you go away from a hot Giannis to try to get Drew and Chris going? What do you think, Zach? I don't think you go away from him, but I just wonder if there would be maybe a different way where at least you are running some sort of offense to then in the end get Giannis the ball in some way. Because kind of if it's just Giannis having the ball for the full shot clock, say no one else touches the ball, and then you're asking – I believe this was the third quarter when he has 20 points – and then you're asking – Chris to now come out and be your fourth quarter scorer if Giannis is slowing down and he hasn't really touched the ball for the last 12 minutes of the game because Giannis just took over. It's almost like asking a guy off the bench who just hasn't played, played for the last 12 minutes now to come out and shoot the ball again. Um, so I think there's just got to be some involvement with, especially Drew, um, because he is the point guard. So how what are you asking of your point guard if the ball is ever in his hands um, offensively? So I'm not saying you're going to go away from Giannis because yeah. I'm not taking any credit away from his 20-point quarter, but I just wonder if there's yeah. any more way to get some involvement with the rest of the guys, even if the end of the possession does end with Giannis shooting the ball, uh, just to keep them involved and focused offensively. Um, because we saw in the Atlanta the last two games without Giannis, Drew and Chris are capable of scoring. We saw 31 and 27 from them. And it's not like they're, they can't score. Um, and I, not joining the bandwagon either that the Bucks are better without Giannis because that's obviously not true. But there's <laughs> got to be some way where you can combine how Drew and Chris play without Giannis with also Giannis on the floor. So finding that combination, the Bucks would basically be unstoppable if you can put those three together of Giannis when he takes over games with Chris and Drew, how they play with when Giannis isn't on the floor and finding a way to combine all three of those together. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Definitely, definitely. So, Jake, 
Can we beat the Suns four out of five games? What do you think? I need your honest opinion, man. What do you think? I really think we can. Um, just say, like, just hearing that question four out of five, it's like, man, that's, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> but it, you got to just dumb it down a little bit. And we just have to win these next two at home. Get it to two to two. I've been saying that all series long, um, two to two, it's a best of three out of that point, just win game six at home. And then you got to take one of two on the road. And we saw them do that against the nets. Obviously this, uh, Suns team is better than the nets. Um, if the nets were at full strength, then yeah, it's a different conversation, but they weren't all series. Um, so yeah, I know, I think the bucks have battled adversity really well throughout the entire playoffs and they can do it. Um, you know, obviously these next two are must wins. If it's three to one, then I don't see the Bucks being able to come back from a three, one deficit with that game five in Phoenix. I mean, that that crowd is just going to be rocking. And I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to take that punch and win that game. Um, but you know, I really think it just comes down to defending home court. Uh, we've seen them do it before. And, and again, we just got to be better as a team collectively. I mean, as Zach pointed out earlier, Bucks are plus four in 75 Giannis minutes, but minus 27 in 21 minutes without Giannis. I mean, that's 21 minutes and we're losing them by 27 points. Like, man, that's, that's tough. You know, we just got to play better. And obviously, Role players play better at home. It's thing that's been a thing, you know, throughout the whole NBA. Obviously, Bridges, Cam Johnson played really well um, these first two games, and, and even campaign as well. I really think that the Bucks bench is going to be able to step up and uh, just be able to make more shots at home. So I really think we can beat them four out of five. But it's an intimidating question for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you got starting, Jake? Who's your starters for Game uh, Three? I'm going to stick with the same starters. Uh, I don't see a need to switch it. Um, I just don't know who else you'd really go to. Like, is it going to be my boy, Pat Connaughton? Um, I, I don't know. I think he's just better off the bench. Um, I, I think that he just provides a good spark and, and is, is really active off the bench and, um, and just better in that role. Um, I like PJ in the starting lineup still being able to to guard Booker or Paul um, and hopefully knock it down those corner threes. So yeah, for me, I haven't seen anything glaringly wrong with just the starting lineup as it is. Um, I think that you've got to stick with it. Okay. Okay. So Zach, can we beat the Suns four out of five games? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I said Suns and six, I said Suns and six before the series started. And it's looking like that's going to be the case or even moving it up a game to five. Um, yeah. But what Jake was saying, if, if they can get these two, um, I'll stick with my six and it looks a little bit better for the Bucks. But I would still say the Suns kind of have the advantage here because um, that's even after winning two, that's asking a lot to then come out and win three or four in a row. Um, so you would think the Suns would turn around eventually after two yeah. losses. And I believe, the only time we've lost two in a row was the two games against the Lakers when Chris Paul only played 20 minutes because he was injured. Um, so I don't see the Suns going back-to-back -back losses either on the road. Um, I don't think Chris Paul is going to allow that to happen. So I do anticipate the Suns going up 3-1 here. Um, and then, like Jake was saying, the Suns fans are going to be going nuts in Game 5. And with how Chris has been playing on the road, I don't know if he's eventually going to be able to handle that on, in a, on an elimination game in the finals on the road. Um, I think that atmosphere is just going to be even 
way bigger than it is in just these other playoff series. Um, so I still, I'm still saying Suns and six. Um, it's just asking a lot now going down 2-0 and still not knowing really what the problem is, why guys are struggling, what defensive adjustments to make. There seems like there needs to be a lot um, because it went from game one to, oh, they just shot way more free throws than us. Um, they beat us in the paint. They beat us at all our strengths to then game two. Bucks shot, I believe it was 10 more free throws than the Suns did, and you still lose by double digits. So it's just one, it seems like there's just one thing you found in one game, and then the next game you got what you wanted, but you're still losing by double digits. So it's like you haven't even figured out what the problem is technically. Um, and Booker didn't even shoot a single free throw in game two. So you can't even say Booker's just getting all his points at the free throw. He had 31 points on zero free throw attempts. Um, so that's going to be tough to beat if you got a guy dropping 30 without shooting a single free throw. And in game two, we saw a pretty poor performance from DeAndre Aiden. Um, he only had 10 points. Um, so I just don't see enough going right for Milwaukee right now. Turn it around this quickly. Yeah. Um, because we can see from Monty, um, he can throw different things at you. I just think, like Joel, you've been saying, I just think the IQ all around for the Suns is too high for them to blow um, this 2-0 lead. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you like you said, I said, Zach, yeah, the IQ level in this series, it just shows, man, and they, and it's not just the coach. Like, the coach has a very good IQ level. And then it's like, Chris Paul IQ level is high too, you know, and then just a well-coached team. I can't confidently, I am a little bit optimistic, but I can't confidently say, yes, the Bucks will win this series. will win the finals just, just with how they played, but it depends on, I think, it all comes down to Chris and Drew. Giannis is going to do what Giannis does. One leg, no legs, whatever you want to call He's going to get his points. But it all comes down to Drew and Chris. I did see a stat that Chris, his first two games of a series, is only averaging like, like 16, 17 points. And then from game three on, it's like 27 or something like that. So – um, I like that stat, but again, it's it's so many questions. You don't know what Bucks team you're gonna get. You don't know if Chris is gonna go for a quarter where he scores 23 or 20 points. Chris can outscore the whole a whole NBA team for one quarter and then not score the next. You know, it's just so many questions. Um Yeah. One thing though, too, just like to be optimistic as well is Obviously, the Nets series is similar. You go down 2-0, and it looks even more disappointing than the Suns one does. You lose game two by 40. So yeah. going into game three, what are you expecting? Um, and they were able to turn that around. Obviously, injuries were a part of that as well. Um, but injuries for the Suns right now on a much smaller scale are yeah. towards ACL. Now Torrey Craig is day-to-day -day with a knee injury, so who knows if he's going to come back. And Torrey Craig was one who just replaced Sarge. So now – if we do even run eight deep still, the Suns are probably bringing Frank Kaminsky in off the bench. So I could see there being some scheme of you don't dominate the floor when Frank Kaminsky is on the floor. Um, you should be able to make some runs. Um, <laughs> so with the, with those two injuries, it really just eliminated a lot of the Suns' depth. 
Now we're basically probably only going to bring Cam Johnson and campaign off the bench. And that's no height. So as soon as Aiton goes off the floor, if that substitution becomes Frank Kaminsky, if you're Milwaukee, you got to take advantage of that. But again, that goes with IQ. Are we going to recognize that we got little Frank Kaminsky and campaign and uh, are we going to go inside? I, I don't, I don't think we do that, but that's a good point that you made, uh, Zach. I was on the uh, 10,000 layups podcast and that's what I was saying. We've been here before. We've been down 0-2 um, before. Again, this Phoenix Suns team is better, but we've been in this position before. So I'm still a little optimistic. Um, so Jake, who needs to play more minutes and who needs to play less minutes for the Bucks? Of course, I know if it's the Suns, we want the whole starting five to play less minutes. But if uh, we're talking about the Bucks, who plays more minutes? Who plays less? Yeah, let's let's go, Frank. The tank with forty-eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a good shot then. <laughs> but uh, realistically speaking, with the Bucks, uh, I think we need to play Lopez more. Now, call me crazy after Game One uh, saying that, but Game Two, I thought he really played well defensively. He was uh, affecting shots at the rim, uh, and that's the thing with Brook Lopez. If he's not getting uh, played off the floor defensively. He's got to play, you know, mid thirties a game. He's our fourth best player on this team. We don't have the depth that we've had in years past. We just, we can't afford to not play Brooke Lopez a good amount of minutes unless he's just really getting cooked defensively. Right. Um, and we got to go to those Giannis at the five lineups, which we've seen uh, at times do, during the playoffs. But I think Brooke can get more minutes. I mean, 28 in game two. I think he should be getting closer to, you know, mid to low thirties. Um, and then, you know, as far as everyone else goes, um, I think it's going to be pretty similar. You know, obviously Bobby Portis has had a tough time in this series so far, but you know, if we're continuing to struggle on offense, I think we need to go to him a little bit more and just see if he can get us some some easy buckets. I mean, he's Bobby buckets, right? I mean, right. the guy can score. Um, very efficiently as well. He's one of those guys where like, like I was saying earlier, just m making efficient plays on offense, like giving the ball to Portis in the post. I I'm always okay with that. Like, sure. He doesn't have to shoot it every time, but like we know that he can really score in the paint and, and he's really effective at it. So I think, you know, we might have to switch it up a little bit and, and go a little bit more Portis. And yeah. he's going to be going against Frank Kaminsky. So I, I yeah. like that matchup. I no, that's a that's a great point. Match the Kaminsky minutes with Portis for sure. Uh, if they are going to go to Frank the Tank more, uh, then we might have to get Bobby Portis for forty eight minutes if, <laughs> <laughs> if we've got uh, Frank in there all game. But um, yeah, no, I, that's a great point. I think Portis should definitely match those minutes um, for Frank. Um, they're going to have to play some bigger guys, you know, if, especially if Craig can't go um, in game three or, or going forward in the rest of this series. Um, so I think, yeah, Portis could get a few more minutes. It, it really comes down to the offense for me. If we're struggling offensively, that's when I want to go to a little bit more Bobby. If we're clicking, Drew, Chris, and Giannis are, are killing it on offense, then I'm okay not playing Bobby much at all because he's definitely been challenged defensively in this series. 
Um, and we saw that in the net series as well. Um, obviously against the Hawks, he was a lot better of a matchup when, when Gallinari was on the court. Um, so yeah, I think Portis again, comes down to the, how we're playing on offense, uh, Bryn Forbes, it's been a ride for him all playoffs. I mean, the flamethrower was born against the heat and, uh, it's, it, it died off the pretty much the rest of the playoffs. Um, like he's kind of similar for me with Portis. Like if we need some offense, like I'm okay giving him some minutes. I mean, he, he's been, he's been okay. You know, obviously he, he made some shots in, in game one. Um, but he's just not, again, it's defense with him. So it's just, if we're needing more of a spark, Portis and Forbes can be used. And we'll talk about Jeff Teague here. Uh, I think he's actually played decently well in this series. Um, McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Zach, what about you? Who gets? Uh, who do you think should get more minutes and who should get less? Yeah, I think starting out, if there's no chance of making the injury worse, and it's just soreness at this point. I think Giannis got, has to play more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what we said earlier is they're winning the series when he's on the floor. So you got to figure out a way that he can be on the floor longer. Game one, he only played 35 minutes. So that gives a long stretch of 13 minutes for your bench to keep up with this uh, Suns team. And then in game two, he was able to play 40 minutes. But we still saw them lose that game by 14 when he's off the floor for eight minutes. Yeah. So you got to figure out a way, even if it's not just full attack mode when Giannis is on the floor, but figure out a way where you can keep Giannis on the floor for a little bit longer. So if it's not going to make his injury worse by any means and he's able to go, um, I think you got to push him up towards the 44, 45 minutes like Chris Middleton played in game two. Sure. And then we really haven't seen uh, Drew Holiday play. He played exactly 40 minutes in game one in the 39 and two. Um, so there's no reason he shouldn't be able to play a few more minutes as well. So I think for your big three, you got to be around that 44 minutes per game. Um, you can rest in the offseason. You're down 2-0 now. You got to give it your all. And I think those three need to play more minutes. Kind of a similar thing for Bobby. I like what Jake was saying. If the offense is clicking, there's no reason Bobby should come in. Um, I do like him coming in um, at home in Milwaukee just because I think kind of like a Thanasis thing. He's obviously better than Thanasis, but at the same time, he's going to get the crowd pumped up. And I think will have a good effect on Kirsten Drew as well. Um, so I wouldn't hate to see Bobby play a little bit more at home. Um, but I think on the road, I don't know if the Bucks need to see Bobby as much. And I agree with the Lopez. While at times it does look like he's getting exposed defensively, I think with the adjustments they made at the beginning of game two, with Drew fighting over it, and Brooke just has to kind of hedge it for a second, and then mm-hmm. Drew will recover. I think they're able to make it work with Lopez on the floor defensively because the Suns do have a pretty true center with DeAndre Aiden. So there's no reason why Aiden should be able to stay on the floor and Brooke Lopez shouldn't be able to stay on the floor. It's not like the Suns are playing small ball. So I could see Brooke playing more minutes as well. 
um, which then would allow low, or Portis not to get so many minutes um, on the road. I think you just got to you got to put all your trust in your big three, and you got to give them as many minutes as they're able to play out there because you're pretty much in a win now or this series is getting out of hand. Um, in game two, DeAndre Ayton played 42 minutes, and that's for a center. He played more minutes than any Buck starter, and that's for a center who's a seven-footer who should not be in that good of shape compared to a guard. And he played more minutes than any single Buck starter did. So I think the Bucks one, either have to match that or up it where their starters are playing more than the Sun starters because we've seen it when Giannis is off the floor. The Suns team is destroying Milwaukee, so they got to figure out a way where that isn't the case moving forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's say we lose this series. What changes are you making? What players are you getting rid of? What coach are you getting rid of? Who stays? Who goes? All right, I'll, I'll put the GM hat on here. Um, so if we lose the series, for me, unless you can get Dame or Beal, I think you got to keep the big three. I just don't know who else we're going to get, um, who we're going to be able to upgrade with. I mean, obviously, those are the guys who – like the high profile players that have been a little more rumored to be somewhat available. Um, obviously with Dame having some frustrations here as of late um, and be a little bit more often. Uh, if you can get one of those two, obviously still keeping Giannis, then I say go for it. Um, but if not, I just, I don't see how we're going to be able to upgrade from them. We got to at least stay in that championship conversation. Obviously we want to get better, but you know, we still have a, a pretty, nice big three even though they haven't performed well in the series so i'd keep them around unless you can get those two players um looking at more of the with that though with that though sorry to interrupt sure that's fine how okay how much longer do we have to sit here and watch chris middleton be inconsistent every playoffs. I know people are saying oh chris is good in the playoffs oh he does that he averages this, but it's very inconsistent. So you're saying we should continue, unless it's Dame on the other end of that line or a Bradley Beal, you're saying that we should keep this inconsistent Chris. That's correct. Um, again, I, I just think, you know, with Giannis in Milwaukee, we just, we've got to stay relevant and, you know, like, I just don't know who you're going to get for Chris. Like, sure, we can test the market and see what we can get for him. Totally fine with that. Um, but I, I just don't know who we're going to be able to get that's going to be a, any bit of an upgrade besides those two players I already mentioned. Obviously, there's trades that happen that we never expect. So, you know, there could be something out there that that could really be a nice upgrade that maybe the Bucks can pull off. Um, but Are you willing to give up Chris and Drew for Dane? Yes, I am. Uh, I I just don't know how you can turn that down. He's he's so good. I know he's, he's your guy. Um, and him and Giannis, like, man, that would just be how much fun would that be to watch those two play together? It it would be something else. Um, so yeah, I think you've got to go for that if you can somehow pull it off. And even that too, like not even just looking at Dame, the Bucks traded a lot of their first round picks to get Drew Holiday. So we really don't have a lot of draft capital to to trade to pick up a big star. So, you know, it's either going to be like the Bucks would 
get like if they trade Chris Middleton and either be you'd hope for like a Beal or a Lillard. Otherwise, it's probably going to be for like maybe a, an ascending young player, maybe like a Michael Porter Jr. Just throwing that out there. Not that I would want him, but like it could be someone like that. And then maybe the Bucks getting some draft capital. Uh, I just and I don't think that's something that we need. We need to stay relevant in the championship conversation with Giannis here. Um, and obviously Chris is, is his like best friend too. I'm not saying that's a reason to keep him, but like only if you can get an upgrade, you trade Chris and, and yeah, he's been inconsistent, but like, you know, I still not forgetting how well he played to get us to the finals. And he's had some unbelievable moments and, and right now we're, we're riding the low with him big time, but you know, he's really stepped up this playoffs 2019. He was awful that, that Raptor series. He was, he was really bad. Um, and he's really stepped up his game this, this year in the playoffs. We've only seen him really have success in years prior in those first rounds and against the Celtics. Cause Chris is just a certified Celtics killer. Um, so yeah, no, I think you keep those guys unless you can get the upgrade, uh, looking at more of the role players, like PJ, Bobby and Bryn are the, the big free agents there. I think you got to try and keep two of those guys, I think PJ has got to stick around. He's not going to be a guy that's really going to carry you through a regular season or anything like that. He's an older player, got a lot of tread on those tires, but I think in the playoffs, he's just too valuable and he's really unlocked the Bucks uh, potential on defense and just having a dog like that. I really think it's just a great thing to have intangibly to, uh, to upgrade your team. And I think he really fits well with this team. So I think you can keep him probably at a pretty fair price to, um, you know, his, him being older. And I think he really likes it here. So I'd keep him around. And then I'd probably stick with Bobby as well. Uh, I like Bryn Forbes. I really do. But I think Bobby just gives you a little bit more uh, in totality. He's a great rebounder. You know, he's got that energy off the bench. Again, he's another dog. And uh, I just really like the fit with him on the team. Uh, obviously, in the playoffs, it's been series to series. It's been hit or miss. But same with Bryn Forbes, too. I just think Bobby gives you a little bit more. And having those bigs that can score and just make an impact, I think there's just not many of them out there. I think we could find another Bryn Forbes-esque player, maybe on a minimum deal like we did this year. Maybe not as good, but I still think you can get one of those guys. So um, that's it for me for the players. Now, looking at Coach Bud, uh, I think you've, I think they're going to keep him. Um, I don't think he's going to get fired. Do I think that's the right decision? I would have liked Rick Carlisle, obviously. If he was still out there, then yeah, go get him. But obviously, he's in Indiana now. So I just don't see who we're going to get that's like we know is going to be an upgrade. Like, sure, we could get an upgrade. Like, there could be a Nick Nurse out there. Maybe Darvin Ham is that guy, uh, our lead assistant. He's been getting a lot of buzz uh, for other coaching jobs. But um, I think they're going to stick with Bud. And, and I think that's probably the right call at this point in time. I just, I think it's going to be risky. You know, sometimes this coach is just the scapegoat and you think by firing him, things are just going to get better. And a lot of times it gets worse. So um, I think you got to ride it out with Bud here for another year. And then if he disappoints again, uh, then he's gone for sure. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking like in terms of uh, being the GM here and trying to shape this, this franchise going forward. If yeah. we lose the series. I mean, you had a lot of good points, um, but uh, where we part ways is Bud. I think Bud, is, he, he has to go, man. And the, the crazy thing about Bud is all of his like flaws are so simple. Like, it's not like it's these big, like, 
elaborate. It's all the simple things. If Lopez is getting targeted and he's getting smoked, why keep him out there? You got the house is on fire. Put the wall, you know, call the fire department. He's waiting till the house burns down and then he's going to say, oh, man, the house burned down. Yeah, the house was on fire for the last 10 minutes. So and I, I think it's just so simple with Bud. I, I, I want to see him gone. No, um, I, I get that for sure. Um, but, you know, I think most Bucks fans and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this one. Bud's not the reason why we're down 0-2 in this series. Um, and he got us to – he didn't get us to the finals, but he's made some some nice adjustments throughout this whole playoff run to, to get us there. Now, obviously, did we get some injury luck in the Nets and Hawks series? Absolutely, we did. Uh, but we did lose Giannis in the Hawks series as well. So we uh, you got to give some credit to to Bud and the Bucks yeah. there for pulling that one out. Definitely give him some credit, but you can't – you can't give him credit for his inconsistencies as well. So, I mean, this is, this is over like that 2019 series where we were up two games and then you come back and lose that. Okay. That still hurts, you know, like that still hurts. And that's because you didn't make any adjustments. And then, you know, last year you lose to a bubble team, you know, you lose four, one, that's that's just unacceptable, you know. And then this year, yeah, a lot of his like he has been coaching well. Like I can't say it was flawless co- coaching by Coach Bud, but he does have some games where it's just like, Bud, what are you doing? He's actually like Lopez is getting killed. Get him out of there. But I do get what you're saying. You do have to give him credit for some stuff and he got us, you know, and I, I agree these, these, I think game one is on bud though. I would give that on bud because CP three and Brooke Lopez, I mean, CP three and Devin Booker got hot on Brooke Lopez. They shot 10 to 16 on him. And once the fire starts, once CP three, once the fire starts, you can't put it out. Like it's, it's not going to happen. If he'd have made that adjustment in the first quarter, or was it the second quarter where they went off? If he'd have made that adjustment, I think we would have had a different game. But no, by the by yep. the third quarter, it was it was already you know game over. Yep, no, I I agree there. I don't like the strategies of the game ones. Really, all playoffs. It feels like every single game one has been kind of like a feel out game, specifically defensively, like where he's just trying to like he's sticking with his main plan of like usually the, uh, the drop coverage and he just doesn't end up uh, making adjustments when we need to. And it's led to some bad game ones. I mean, we barely beat Miami in that series in overtime and the Nets game Harden goes down 43 seconds in, can't take advantage of that yeah. Hawk series. Trey young just cooked broke Lopez. I mean, that was bad. That one was really frustrating and definitely on bud there in this game one too. I'm, I'm pretty much with you there too. You got to, you got to move away from Lopez at that point in time, or just make that adjustment that we saw in game two, uh, right at that point when those guys are getting comfortable. Um, so yeah, no, I get that for sure. There's and definitely some PTSD get... with, with bud, like just yeah. throughout the years, like I still say 2019 was the best chance for the bucks to win a title. Yeah, I'm always going to feel gonna that get, way. It's hey. not going to get easier. Like, Right. Coaching, coaching the Bucks is not going to get easier next year. 
because you got to think, are all these injuries going to happen? Like, are we going to get a Nets team where it's really only Kevin Durant and half of Harden? You know, like, it's not going to get easier. And if you can't make the changes with these easier teams, it's kind of like, or with like an injured team, how are you going to make an adjustment when the teams are at full strength, you know? And it's just like, okay. Yeah. So, so Zach, what do you think? Who, who should we get rid of and who should we, who should we keep? Yeah. So starting with the coaching, obviously, since you guys are just talking about that, I feel like a lot of it too is the Bucks play very reactive depending on who they're playing. And it seems like they're the team that's having to make all these adjustments, which is one hard on the coaching and two hard on the players. Cause you're just asking them to come out and do something different every single night. And looking at the Suns, it seems like they're the ones who are being the enforcers. They're just going out and playing their normal basketball that they've played all 82 games of the regular season, all throughout the playoffs. And they're just coming out and dominating at what they do. And they're not having to adjust to what Milwaukee's doing. Obviously, like you have some defensive schemes on Giannis and things like that. But for the most part, watching the Suns every night, it's you're seeing the same thing offensively and defensively. You're doing your pick and roll with Chris Paul. You're doing your pick and roll with Devin Booker. They're actually running plays. You're seeing off-ball movement. And then defensively, you're always having bridges on the best defender starting out. You have all your defensive matchups and defensive schemes with switching or drop coverage, which the Suns don't do as much. Aiden will occasionally do it. But it seems like Monty has them in a system that they come out and be the enforcers. Yeah. And it's forcing Milwaukee to react rather than them being the ones to come out and attack with what their strengths are and forcing the opponents to adjust. And I think that's just starting out. That makes it tough on Milwaukee and it's part blame on Budenholzer because he's the coach that you're just allowing your team to take the floor. And like you guys said, game one was a feeler game. You can't have that in the playoffs because now you're obviously on the road. So you're expected to lose um, on the road, but like you can't just, you're giving away games. Giving away games. Yeah. It's essentially. Yeah. So as the, as the coaching staff, you should be able to figure out what those feelers are, either from watching previous series or in the film game. room or whatever the case may be, and then throw those. You have to get your bench lineup or your practice squad, whatever the case may be, to somehow mimic those things because it's not like the Suns threw something completely different at Milwaukee's. You knew exactly what was going to happen with Chris Paul is going to come off the screen, try and get his mid-range shot. Devin Booker is going to try and get his mid-range shot. And then you have your shooters in the corners. And then that's pretty much it. It's not like the Suns are running some rocket science of an offense that you needed to have a feeler game. Like, I'm fine with Milwaukee losing game one because you're on the road. But to use, like, an excuse of, oh, we just had to feel them out, kind of see what they were actually like, you can't have that. And I think a lot of that falls on the coaching staff. Um so I think that's a big part. I just don't think they're as uh, aggressive as they should be from a coaching standpoint. And it seems like they're just going to react and rely on their talent to make those adjustments mid game and then just let the talent take over. Um, so I think you could see something more there with. I don't want to see the thing that I don't like is the, the uh, another thing with coach, Bud. I think game one is on coach, Bud. he didn't make that adjustment early in the first half and uh, Lopez got smoked. So, um, but I don't want this play random kind of coach. I, I don't want to see that, man. Yeah. This play random thing, I, I don't know. What, what is that? that? I, 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 this is our coach. He's in the finals. A play <laughs> random. 
All right, man. Yeah, Zach, you had some other stuff. Who 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 stays and who yeah. goes? Well, with that too, of like we see the video of Giannis yelling at his bench and like pumping him up. Love to see that, but a lot of that's got to come from your coaching staff too. Aiton was disappointed. Obviously, the Suns were winning, so it's a different story. But Monty took him aside, picked him up, and then we saw them actually start playing a little bit better. And with Milwaukee, when Giannis did that, um, which again I like to see, but actually almost hurt them because the Suns went on an 8-0 run right after that. So I think a lot of that has to come from your coaching staff of being able to realize those little pieces of, and it doesn't have to be Boonholder. You have 10 other coaches sitting on your bench too. Some, As a group, collectively, you got to realize some of these things, take players aside, make the adjustments. And like you were saying, Joel, making these adjustments sooner than before the whole house has burned down already. And then you got to come yeah. back from a, 15 point deficit and then again relying on a Giannis to drop there's no reason you should lose a game if one of your players had 20 points in a quarter and still be down <laughs> after that quarter had just happened um so I think it's just a lot of things piling up on top of each other and a lot of things that could happen better um he has coached better in the playoffs than people probably expected um, but yeah. I still think there's a lot of work and room for improvement that could take place and to Jake your point of you keep them for another year, and but the only problem is then are you wasting another season because he's going to look good in the regular season, so you're not going to fire him midway through the season because he's been known to be a good regular season coach, and they've had a good record. So we're not going to see these problems or adjustments again until the playoffs. So at that point, it's too late to fire him in the middle of the season. So are you wasting another one of Giannis's seasons by keeping Budenholzer for another year for sure, see if he is the problem or if it's something else. I'm 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 willing to move on. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to move on with uh, Coach Bud. So Jake, I know earlier in our uh, we we had had you on a couple episodes or one episode, um, and you said that Tatum was better than uh, Booker. I, I just want to know. Is that still your stance right now? Do you still think Tatum is better than Booker? <laughs> Oh man, I knew this was coming. <laughs> oh gosh, that was that was a fun one. Um, but uh, I, honestly, I I'm gonna stick with my initial thing and say that he is. Okay. I, I, I it's it's the easy way to go is just to say that Booker's better now because he's in the finals. Um, and obviously the Suns, you know, they, they've had a great year and Chris Paul is a proven winner. And he, look what he did to OKC last year. I mean, that team was like projected to be like the worst in the league record wise. And they pushed the Rockets to a game seven in round one and weren't able to close it. So I really think Chris Paul is the difference there. I think Booker is still the similar player that what he has been, you know, the last few years, it's just now we're seeing it on the biggest stage, but that does elevate you. I definitely agree with that. Obviously, you know, Chris Middleton has had yet to do that really this series. And we're all uh, just really disappointed with that. So but no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Tatum's a better player. I can't back down from it just from uh, just from uh, the recent success and Booker being great in the finals here. So I'm going to stick with it and saying that Tatum is better. Better. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I like I like people who stick with their guns. Who stick with their guns. I still don't agree with you, but I like people. Who <laughs> uh, that, that's fair. I think I've got some supporters with me. I don't think I'm on okay, an island out here. A lot of people that you know, like during the regular season, they were saying, you know, Tatum. It made me have to go back and think. But just this playoff series and and just me 
like just seeing De- Devin Booker over the years, I, I just I just can't see it. Um, no, so- I get that. Uh, even your the poll you guys had with when you posted the same question yeah. on Twitter that you asked G and I and Zach and I on the on the podcast, and Tatum was I think he won that one, and he, he, won. he was he, won he a lot of support. That made me feel good. I messaged you right after that. I was like, man, I'm feeling great now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of people after I asked in the episodes too. And I know Camille, I think she had uh, Tatum and Maria. I believe she had Tatum as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who made me go think this Tatum thing. But I think I still think it's book. So, Jake, let me ask you this. Which which Kevin Durant would you rather have? The OKC, the Warriors or the Nets? He's been so good his whole career. Just looking at his stats, it's just it's insane how consistent he is year in and year out. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with Golden State. Uh, I think that's really when he elevated defensively as well. Um, you know, playing with Clay and Draymond and all of them, we really saw that that Kevin Durant stepped it up defensively and became more of a complete player. I think offensively, you know, he's been pretty much the same guy you know, since he's been an all-star in the league, um, putting up, you know, close to 30 a game on really efficient scoring. So I'm going to go Golden State simply because I think that's when uh, he became more of a complete player and uh, talking defensively. I mean, it's I think it's between that and, and maybe the Nets for me. I mean, we saw how yeah. freaking good he he was against the Bucks in the playoffs. I mean, just that legacy game for him in game five. I mean, gosh, he's just such an amazing player, but I'm going to go Golden State here. You're going to go Golden State. Zach, who do you got? Which KD? OKC, Warriors, or the Nets? I'm going to go with OKC um, just because that was the Warriors. I think you have not discredit it, but a lot of his like shooting percentages, like you expect them to go up because of the attention that Steph, Clay, and all those guys are also going to pull away. So I think the level of difficulty okay. he has with OKC is higher than it was with Golden State, just because the overall talent level of the Warriors was obviously better than um, OKC was. So I think with him putting up, and it is his career high, he had in 2013, he had 32 points a game. Um, and in Golden State, his highest was 28, then 25, 26. So even with the level of difficulty, obviously his role is a little bit bigger because he doesn't have to refer to stats. He only had Westbrook there. Um, but I think just the level of difficulty and the defensive attention he's getting on a nightly basis can, compared to some nights with Golden State where Steph Curry is your go-to guy um, and still to go up against with OKC and average 32 a game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with OKC. And there's a reason why everyone hated him for going to Golden State because of what he proved with OKC. So mm-hmm. I think that's what proves who Kevin Durant is. And then he just basically went into the same thing with an already – phenomenal team and it just carried over um I don't I think he looked more productive and everything all around just because it was an overall better team that made him look good in return but I think he was either a better offensive player or at least more dominant with OKC sure sure um I'm I'm gonna have to go with the Nets one because um that was a good point that you had Jake with that's where Kevin Durant grew up defensively like but now we have this polished he's pot like he's it's the OKC it's the Warriors and now this is kind of like Kevin Durant's final state like this is his final um 
this is his polished self. So I like the Nets, even with the injury defensively, he's, he, he's, he was really good offensively. We know he's ridiculous. So I, I got to go with the Nets just because it's the finished product. Um, so Zach, let me ask you this, which LeBron would you rather have first Cleveland straight out of, you know, high school, would you rather have the Heat? Would you rather have the second Cleveland, you know, where you got him to the title? Or would you rather have the Lakers, LeBron, who won a title as well? I feel like this one's a little bit tougher um, because I feel like, for the most part, Kevin Durant was a similar player in every single team. And I feel like LeBron actually developed more throughout his career um, because he could shoot throughout his whole career, but he wasn't known as much of a shooter starting out. Um, but it's also difficult for me to pick like a 34 year old LeBron compared to like a 21 year old kid who's the freak athlete. Um, but I would almost go with hot stuff. I'm, I'm deciding between either his last year in Cleveland or his first year with LA um, just because of what he developed from the three point line. But he did also overcome a three, one deficit against uh, when he was in Cleveland. So I'm going to go with that Cleveland team. So you're going with the second Cleveland team. Yep. Okay. Okay. Jake, who you got? So tough. I got to agree with Zach as well, though. The second Cleveland team for me, it's between that one and the heat. Um, but I'm going to go second Cleveland. Uh, I mean, we saw him just carry, you know, injured teams to the finals four straight years during that run uh, with the second stint with the Cavs. And again, that the three, one deficit against the Warriors that iconic block in game seven. I mean, he just really was, just so dominant. He still had the, the, um, you know, the, the speed uh, that we saw in, in Miami when he was just running up and down the floor and, and slamming on everyone. Um, so it, it's between those two for me, uh, but I've got to go with the second Cleveland. I think it's just like really when LeBron really just solidified everything in, in his career, winning that title with Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked him going back to Cleveland um, and winning the tie. I thought that was I thought that was really nice. Um, but I got to go with the Heat, LeBron, just because he was more fun to watch. Him, the the, the Heatles, like they were running back and forth. And yeah, they lost the first year to I think it was the Mavericks, Dirk, right? And mm -hmm. um, but that second year, they, they were ridiculous, man. I think that's the year that we saw LeBron grow up and win his first title. I think I got to go with that heat, that, that, that second year with the heat, LeBron. Um, but, Jake, we appreciate you for stopping on, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to come on anytime. This is, this is great talking with you guys. Yeah. Um...